Hello hockey fans and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. The Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. joining us our first segment today is with dana lane dana lane sports dana good day to you sir good day to you how are you sir oh man i think i was just telling chris before we got you on the line that if there's such a thing as too much hockey that i'm like right on the borderline over this last weekend um i think i'm still worn out from from all of the festivities we went through this weekend it was it was a whole lot of hockey and a really nice place to watch hockey season hasn't even started yet you're burned out (laughs) i know but but that is funny that you say that because i made the comment this morning to my wife that hockey season starts tomorrow and, and meaning uh wednesday and she looked at me as if Hockey season has been here for the last two months because, you know, of course, UNLV has already started, and, you know, I've been doing stuff surrounding that, so it seems like to her it's been around forever. I think she's ready for the postseason already. Right, right, right. Let me bring in Chris. Chris, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. I'm a little jealous of all the good hockey you guys have been able to see out there. Yeah, yours is, yours is coming. Yours is coming. We're, we're right here at Puck Drop. We're cramming this this. This episode in uh, last minute, last minute. So let me uh, let me go straight to the Sunday game here with Dana since we have the local angle here with the Vegas Lane. Um, Sunday, UNLV, ASU, 3-2 thriller. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to, first of all, that takes the team out to an 8-1 and one start to start the season. Uh, how many games are on the schedule for this club? Uh, they'll play 34, I believe, is the total games. Okay. I don't I, I don't know if I've ever sat and actually counted them. I'm, I'm counting the wins one by one, but I think it's around 34, 33, maybe, something like that. So nearly nearly a third of the season gone, and they have one loss. Yes. Uh, what are you looking at as the main, main factor for the hot start? Well, first of all, that one loss, was on the heels of three straight against Weber State. Yeah. And that third game, I mean, they were, and I'm not to make excuses, but 
you know, there, there's a fine line between excuses and, and reality. And the reality is you had five of our best players out. You had two of our best defensemen out. And they still only won by a goal. And they had to come back to do that and decided that, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to be a little bit uh, a little bit dirty in doing so. So, you know, you know look, look I, I'd love for this record to be 9-0 and uh, for sure. But sometimes these laws, obviously there's additions by subtraction, and I think that that loss is going to catapult them on to better things. So to to answer your question, it's complete depth. I mean, they have three goaltenders on this team right now that can go out any any night, and only one of which is a senior, and Terry Martin, who got the start against Arizona State after, you know, having not played uh, for basically for two weeks. Uh, Alex Feast has done a great job, and uh, Eric Seidenberg has done a phenomenal job. So both of those kids are going to take UNLV into the next two years, and hopefully for them, at least one of those years might be Division One hockey. Right. I wanted to shout out a couple guys that I noticed on the ice on Sunday, and I'm not sure of the roster name, so I'm going to give you their numbers, and I'm going to let you fill them in. Number nine with two goals. Yeah, number nine. Number- Go ahead. Number nine is Cody Williams. Co- Cody Williams. He's got some sick hands and some sick stick handling through traffic, and he goes with a puck. Um, very, very good skill level with him. So I, no- I noticed him. I want to shout him out. And then number twenty-five is a seemed to be uh-huh. seemed to be an, a, a little bit undersized to be playing defense, but yeah. a couple times down in the corner where I was sitting. Uh, a, a much bigger four put his shoulder in the guy's chest, knocked him off the yeah. puck, and got the puck out of trouble. So I wanted to shout him out too. Yeah, uh, that, that's pretty astute dealing on your end because that's Boz Asaf, and Boz at five foot four out of Rancho Cucamonga uh, is advantage. And I cannot tell you how many times this season I have made the point that Asaf has gone into the corners, not. Just against one one opposed, uh, you know, opposing player, but he's gone into the corners against two, and nine times out of ten, he'll either win the puck battle or get it to a place where it's it's to UNLV's advantage. So, uh, and on top of that, you talk to this kid, and he is just as are all these kids <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, but Boz is just the the best well-mannered kid that you could ever want on your team. And certainly, like you said, you know, you don't always look for a 5-4 defenseman. But, you know, he does, uh, you know, he, he does a fantastic job out there. And the one thing about Asaf is when he gets a hold of the puck in his own defensive end, I mean, that first pass out of the zone is actually going somewhere. He's got an idea where it's going. And, and that's, that's huge for yeah. I, no, I noticed that to, to uh, his offensive awareness once he does get the puck out of that out of the corner from behind the net. His his head, he plays with his head up. Let me let me put it that way. He plays with his head up and he knows where his teammates are. And that that breakout pass, he started a couple couple real good rushes off the power play too. That's the other thing I noticed about this team is when they when they're on the power play, they take advantage of their chances. They when that when they when they get the man advantage. Um, there's the, the one, the one power play where Cody scored his second goal, it was about a minute 45 I'd left in the power play, I think. And I, I was sitting next to my wife and a couple of UNLV students. And I looked over at the students. I'm like, they haven't cleared the puck one time. Let's go. And about 
maybe five seconds after that, uh, Cody skated out from the right corner and roofed it. Uh, just yeah. just roofed it. If they if if their goalie had a water bottle, it would have hit the glass. Um, so uh, yeah, shout out to those two boys. <laughs> shout out to those two boys. If I had stars of the games, they would have been one too. But I just want to I want to add to that as well. I mean, and I don't when I say things. I mean, I understand that I you know, and the play by play guy for them. So you know, it seems like I'm saying all great things about all of them. But I will tell you that. Early in the season, when Coach Greener said to me, hey, look, you know, the depth on this team is going to be the strength, I said, okay, well, let's see. You lost 162 points off of last year's team, and that was just in the top five in scoring. Let's see where the scoring is going to come from uh, first. And those kids, not, not only is scoring not an issue for this team, but working hard is not an issue for this team. And we had... There were some kids that decided not to work hard, so they're no longer with the team. And, you know, some kids that, um, you know, couldn't, couldn't hang on the, on the club level to tell you, you know, what kind of, um, you know, the, the level of hockey that UNLV has at this point. But every single one of these kids goes out on that ice. And I can't, they, and I, I don't always agree with decisions that they've made on the ice. But it never has come from not giving a hundred percent, and that's what that. I love I agree with about that. this that's group. What, of I kids. saw, I saw pretty much everything you were talking about on Sunday, and it, that was my first game because I wanted to get down there and support them at the T-Mobile. But uh, definitely, I'll be seeing you around the the Sobe ice rink. That will be it'll be Sobe a week from Friday. But I wanted to change up too. I was over in the press box on Friday night, and you were up there on Saturday night. And I wanted to get your impressions of the Frozen Fury. Let's get the uh, the Kings logo off the ice now. We'll get that out of the way right away. I am a Kings fan, but uh, in <laughs> and Australia, I didn't know that is, either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a Kings fan from way back, but. Uh, at, when when Luke handed Mr. Foley the silver engraved stick and passed the torch, so to speak, uh, to the NHL in Las Vegas, that's and I, I love my Kings logo, but not in Las Vegas anymore, right? It's uh, the first thing I said to you, not knowing <laughs> that uh, you were a Kings fan. I said, okay, well, thanks for the memories. Time to get the logo off my ice. Like, so, well, now, yeah. I like that logo. I like that logo, but well, I think you know it's, uh, it's a great logo. It belongs in L.A. Yeah, but uh, just overall impressions. Yeah, overall impressions of of the game, the arena. Uh, I I was a big fan of that vi- on ice video projection that they did uh, before the game. In my in my eye, that's the best I've seen of anybody in the league. It's absolutely. It was incredible, and I. And, you know, that, that the projection on the ice before the game seems to be a thing now, and everybody does a really cool job. But I thought not only was what they did on the ice was cool, I thought the music that they chose to accompany it was also uh, relevant, and I thought it gave a nice vibe to the opening of the uh, uh, of the game. And, hey, look, if that's, you know, it's probably not going to be what the opening is come uh, a year from now. But I will say, you know, to send L.A. off, and give them a, a hug and say thanks for the memories. I think that was a, a job well done by the, the crew at T-Mobile. I agree. And now when – I know a lot of people are worried about ice and this and that. Um, 
down in the locker room after the game talking with Nick Dowd and and Jeff Zakoff, both with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, both of them said the ice was noticeably fast and held up very well until probably about 10 minutes left in the third period, which, I mean, that's understandable. It got a, he said it got a little choppy, but overall the ice is fast, the ice is hard. Yeah. And held up very well. And also the boards, maybe because they're new, maybe, uh, who knows, they both both mentioned that the boards were lively and gave good, gave good true bounces. And the ice surface playability-wise was fantastic. But uh, yeah. I, think, I think Dowd actually said better than a lot that we play on in the league now. So that could put to rest any concerns about ice surface here in Las Vegas. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I you know... <laughs> We watched that thing get put down, and, um, you know, I, I asked the question about what kind of ice surface are they going to have there because, you know, I was told that, you know, basically they can change the ice surface based upon the type of team that they have, the thickness of the ice. And, and right off the bat, I was told this is going to be a fast sheet of ice. And I said, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, hey, look, this is not going to be Madison Square Garden, and it's not going to be Washington for sure. Uh, this is going to be a fantastic sheet of ice and any necessary changes, obviously that they need to make, they have a year to do that. But, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily mind, you know, I don't know if people were saying it was a negative, but I like lively boards and I like, um, you know, pucks getting true bounces off of there. It gives character to, to the building. I can remember the old Boston garden. My God, the, the puck would hit the, the boards and you have, you have no idea where the puck was going. So, you know, but that's fine. Don't change it. That that's the characteristic of where you are. I mean, we got a you know a huge wall in, in left field in Fenway Park. I mean, that's the characteristic of where you are, and that's repre- that represents who you are as a as an organization. So for me, T-Mobile was fantastic. Um, you know, I had some people say, "Well, geez, look at all the empty seats." Well, there, I mean, and, and there wasn't it wasn't like a noticeable thing. You'd have to you know be looking for them. But I said. Oh, really? Well, those empty seats, if you look up there in the Hyde Lounge, where it's packed right now, that represents all those seats. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I'm concerned it was well attended. Well, I didn't get the attendance Saturday night. Um, Friday night, I got to admit, I was a little disappointed with 15,180. And yep. the stadium configured at 17.5. Um, Saturday night's crowd was noticeably larger, and I would just guess to be... Uh, sixteen five, sixteen eight was my estimate. Um, so within within five hundred of a sellout or so, and uh, much much happier with the crowd on Saturday night. Um, not, let me bring. Go ahead. Not only that, I thought the acoustics were excellent in there as well. I mean, I I, I thought for the first time of holding their first two uh, first two games. I mean, I thought that they did a a fantastic job. Um, I also couldn't get a. Um, there was no box score in ESPN or anything, so I couldn't get an attendance figure either. But it kind of felt to me like it was more in the 16 to 16 2 range. Well, we'll split the difference and call it 16 5. Let me bring in Chris. I know Chris wanted to get a couple things in to kick off the Pacific Division with you, Chris. Yeah, so Dana, good good having you on again, once again, on this segment, your uh, usual segment. Um, so for the Pacific, uh, division, you know, you we have the big uh, the big three: the Ducks, the Kings, the Sharks. 
Is there a team uh, in the Pacific that you like for this year that did make the playoffs this year that you think uh, could uh, be pretty postseason tickets? Yeah, as far as the Pacific division is concerned, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to jump on the Edmonton band, bandwagon. I'm certainly not. Don't want anything to do with Vancouver. Uh, Calgary, to me, possibly is you know a team that could jump up. I really like Glenn Gulliton a lot. Uh, Glenn has been a winner everywhere he's been, including Las Vegas with the Wranglers. Uh, then he went to to Dallas to their AHL team and won a cup there, and you know went to the Stars and coached well there. And hey, I like that. And I'm telling you, the dynamic between him and Hartley, I think, is exactly what that organization needs. And, and so I think, hey, look, they may not be a playoff team. But I don't think they're going to be a, a pushover on a nightly basis. Okay, and of the three between the Ducks, the Sharks, and the Kings, is there a team that you think is uh, uh, you'd be a little worried about this year? Well, I think all three of them have reasons to worry. I mean, um, you know, let's see how Anaheim re- reacts to Randy Carlisle. Let's see how when again, uh, yeah, again. I mean, they reacted <laughs> pretty well last time. You know. So, but let's let's see. I mean, you're going to have to change your style uh, a little bit from what Boudreaux would like to do there. Um, you know, I think he wants to play a higher pace. At least that's you know what he he uh, has said. And let's see if guys like Corey Perry and Getzlaff can play at that pace. Um, you know, you you got you got Freddie Gibbs in there, and now there's no Freddie Anderson. So. You know, you have to rely on on him to to carry you through. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm completely comfortable with that. Nor am I completely comfortable. If we were talking with Toronto about Toronto. Am I completely comfortable with Anderson either? Because you know, now you're going to go to a you know a system that's not based on defense, and you're going to have to on most nights come up between you know 28 and 34 saves a game, and that's not what he was doing in, in Anaheim. I like Arizona a little bit too, you know. I mean, let's see, you know, with John Shaker coming in, let's see if, you know, <laughs> we're going to put the analytics to work. And of course, you know, if you look at, I'm not sure three or four years ago that a guy like Goligoski would, um, or Goligoski would have signed with Arizona. I mean, I think that that tells a lot about where that franchise is going. And, and not only did he sign, but they, they just acquired his rights to negotiate with him. And I'm not sure that that would have happened four years ago. So I think, I think certainly Arizona is going in the right direction. So the top and the bottom are becoming one. I don't know if they're there yet, but, but LA lost a lot, a lot. Uh, although I still think LA top to bottom, I mean, especially on the top, you know, there's a lot of people down on LA and I'm like, well, <laughs> What are you down on L.A. for? Because they they probably, you know, man for man have the best. I don't know. I mean, you can argue San Jose as well. But man for man, man, I'll, I'll get behind Anze Kopitar and ride him as long as I can. Now, we're going to get into the L.A. Kings a little more in depth with our next guest on the show, J.D. Styles. There's one one thing I wanted to get out there for you, Dana. You and, you and Brian over at 1400 AM launched the, in my mind, and I've been here since 1989, the only hockey dedicated radio show in that period of time uh, in Las Vegas today was your inaugural show. Tell me a little bit about that scheduling, where guys can find the the replays of the shows and all that good stuff. Because uh, congratulations, sir, that's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be right after Sportsbook Radio at one o'clock Pacific time, and of course, 
Sportsbook Radio, which Brian hosts, has moved from 11.30 to 12, so that's going to be an hour show now. And then we'll come on after that. And yeah, We had a we had an amazing show today. Steve Coleus from the uh, NHL Radio Network came on today. I listened to Steve religiously, so I was very happy to have him. And um, Lindy Ruff will be on tomorrow. And I, I think we... I, I, we haven't quite confirmed our second guest, but um, you know we're going to have top-notch guests on the show and certainly talk about Las Vegas hockey as much as we can. But at least in this first year, we'll also talk about you know we'll break down the games and we'll talk about the games coming up that night and we'll also talk about them from a betting angle. So that was cool. We we talked to Coolia today and kind of threw some gambling in here and there, and he didn't miss a beat. He knew what over unders and point projections and all that stuff. So. You know, these guys may not be in it every day uh, and may not talk about it every day, but they certainly know what's going on. For sure, for sure. So, a lot, a lot, congratulations once again. Uh, Brian, Brian's a class individual, and you are yourself. So, I'm glad to see you two guys getting the getting the jump on the local radio for the for the hockey. That's that's outstanding, sir. Just real quick before I let you go, do you have uh, win totals on the Pacific Division and odds to win the conference out of the Pacific? Yeah, I have. Let me go through them. Anaheim's at ninety-seven and a half. Most of the money is coming in on the under right now, which is great because I think they're going to be right around that mark. Uh, but I, I like the over, and it's still above ten on either side. Uh, Arizona is seventy-five and a half, shaded to the over at minus a dollar thirty-four. And let's see, go down the list here. Uh, Calgary eighty six and a half shaded to the over minus a buck fifteen, and we're Edmonton eighty seven and a half. Ooh. The Kings at ninety eight and a half. Interesting enough, um, because they do have to overcome a few things, and we'll see what kind of depth that they do have. And let's see, I think I'm missing San Jose at ninety eight and a half as well, shaded to the over. A lot of money coming in on that. About 70% of the tickets written that were coming in on the over. And I think, let's see, oh, we got uh, Vancouver at 74 and a half. Um, I, I don't see how they're getting to 74 and a half, but uh, apparently the, uh, the players do because 85% of the tickets coming in are being written on Vancouver. Looking at that just off the top of my head, I'm, I'm going to say uh, I'll go on record. Arizona's over 75 and a half. And once until they show me, I'm saying Edmonton's under eighty-seven and a half. I agree. Half. I um, agree with that. Two, that's my two plays there. Yeah, I agree with that. But why are you not using the same thing for Arizona? I mean, until you show me, I can't bet Arizona to go over. And I'm not, I'm not a huge Mike Smith fan, and I don't know if he's no. going to be able to stay healthy all year. So that's that's the one thing. I, I mean, I don't have anything against Mike. I just haven't seen him play fifty games a year. So until I do that, I hey look, there's a lot of buzz amongst these bottom feeders of the league to start the year all the time. It's happening in Buffalo, it's happening in Edmonton, it's happening in Toronto. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, how much and year after year we've done this what for six, seven years now with Edmonton and, and yeah. they continue to not meet expectations. So I'm certainly not going back to the well. Because I'm gonna just because I'm sitting here crossing my fingers that Connor McDavid has a great year and, and that Larson comes in and solves the defensive problem. With what I like about Arizona is they've already proved it for well well into January they were on pace to beat that 
and the kids did run out of gas a little bit. They were they were holding Arizona behind them for a good portion of last season. So yeah, yeah, I, no, I, I, I think I think they have a little stamina now, and the kids have a year under their belt, and that's where that's why I like them. I, I, I I'm a big show me don't tell me guy myself, Dana. So, but 87 and a half for Edmonton. That's just that's just that's I'm a little more questionable about them than where Arizona's headed. I, I was just going to say, I mean. It just had a Luke Shen come in as huge for them as well. And let's see how, you know, he fits in. I think defensively they're, they're certainly going to be better. I mean, you put uh, Goligoski on with, with Larson, Larson, and then you add Shen to that mix. I mean, I think, I think that's, you know, especially with, with Shen's pedigree from Los Angeles. I mean, I think that that's, I that's huge. I mean, I, I, look, I, I project them to be better for sure. I just, I want to see it done on the ice. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and they play in a division that's extremely difficult where everybody has improved. I, I think probably besides Vancouver, you can't point to any of those teams and say, that's an easy victory at home and definitely not an easy victory on the road. Agreed, agreed. I think I think this division this year is going to be stronger than it has the last couple of years from the bottom. So I think I think you hit it on the head when you said the top is coming down and the bottom's coming up. This is going to be a tough division to play in, whether it's because of mediocrity or because of increased talent level. Dana, dude, thanks for coming in, man. I got to run. I'm a little bit over on my time to get over to JD, but uh, thanks Bye-bye. again, sir. And uh, well, I'll be checking in with you again next week. Okay, my friend. Thank you very much. Have a great week. And we're back. That was Dana Lane from Dana Lane Sports here in Las Vegas, joining us as he always does on a weekly basis. Uh, breaking down Frozen Fury, the Rebels, UNLV skating Rebels hockey team off to a streaking 8-1 and start, and then giving us the Vegas angle on the Pacific Division. Odds, and you guys can take that for informational purposes only if you live in a non-gaming state. Um, I happen to take it for a... a uh, where to invest my money purposes because <laughs> Dana, Dana knows what he's all about. Now we'd like to welcome in on the Vegas Hockey Podcast hotline, old friend and good friend of the show, J.D. Styles, NHL director at CaliSportsNews.com. J.D., what's up, man? Hey, Mark and Chris. Thanks for having me back on the show. All I know is, is that the uh, the 2016-2017 NHL season is about to start, and I am super excited. I'm so happy that the NHL hockey is back. Yeah, you and me both. If I had a goal horn, I'd be blowing it right now because now you got me pumped up. <laughs> um, I did want to give oh, you yeah. a I did want to give you a shout out on your new podcast. You are now. Uh, why, why don't you say it so I don't butcher it? Tell tell everybody about your new podcast on the Kings Road Games and where they can find it. Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, last year. Um, I was uh, brought on to LA Kings Road Talk Radio to become a co-host for this season. And the deal is, because I live near Toronto and I'm here in the East Coast, I will be on most of the road game shows that they have when the Kings are here in the Eastern time zone and for some games when they're in the Central time zone. Because, of course, they're in the Pacific time zone. Uh, When the games are over, it's pretty much 1 a.m. in the morning here where I live which I'll be up anyways watching or cursing the Kings. Um, but uh, to do a podcast late that night is a little bit tough. But they have brought me on for at least about 20 games, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. 
You guys could find us online on uh, Block Talk Radio. It's Ellie King's Road Talk Radio. We're also on Facebook, and we're also on Twitter, at King's Road Talk. So, guys, check it out. Call in, and let's talk some hockey, especially Ellie King's hockey. Yeah, all right. Well done, well done, sir. Well, let's jump right in. Let's start, uh, I say we start with the Western Conference representative in the Stanley Cup, San Jose Sharks. Uh Finished third in the division last year, had a had a great run through the playoffs, and certainly gave Pittsburgh uh, all they were going to handle there. Pittsburgh obviously coming out ahead. What what do you see San Jose doing going forward into this season? Are they going to contend at the top of the division, and maybe maybe have they become the class of the division now with maybe the Kings and the Ducks taking steps back? I do believe that uh, San Jose is the class now of the Pacific Division, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I do do believe that the momentum that they gained with that, well, fantastic run to the Stanley Cup final, first time in franchise history, first time in the careers of Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe, who have been there forever, plus Joe Thornton and Logan Couture and Vlasic and Burns also had uh, success with Team Canada at the World Cup of Hockey, and I think the momentum's just going to go. It's just going to build up and and well, just dominate the Pacific Division this season, especially with Martin Jones between the pipes. Uh, he had proven himself last year. I know I had been here on the show, and my biggest question about Martin Jones was because when he was in LA, he was just a backup goalie, and even though he played fantastic, and he played fantastic uh, when Quick was off with a groin injury back in the 2013-14 season. Jones always had the potential to be a number one, but in the end, he was only a backup in L.A. and had a lot to prove. He finally proved that last year in the playoffs, and I still say, and I will argue with anybody, that Martin Jones stole a win from the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Stanley Cup final, if not one, then two, but definitely one, because there were some games where those Sharks, his teammates, were letting him down and disappearing which the San Jose Sharks do tend to do at certain times of the playoffs. They just happen to decide to do it at the Stanley Cup final, but Martin Jones was keeping them in there. So if Martin Jones can stay, stay uh, super strong, and uh, you know Thornton still has the hunger, as he showed last year, making a huge comeback. Uh, the, I don't remember what place he was in points, but he made a huge comeback back with points. They're going to have all this momentum, and I think Coach Peter DeBoer, they're just going to continue with it, and I believe they're going to win the Pacific Division title this year and add another Pacific Division banner to their already overstuffed Raptors at the SAP Center. Uh, Of course, Raptors that don't have any Stanley Cup banners, but (laughs) San Jose, they they are the toast of the Pacific Division, and I see that continuing this season. Man, I I hate to say it. But I think you're right. Um, I think uh, I, I think that run through the playoffs got a lot of monkeys off of their back, as you said with uh, Thornton and Marlowe. That's you mentioned first time in their career, first time in a long career of playoff failures, as, as we're both putting veiled jabs over towards Shark Country, or maybe not so veiled. Um, but I think I. Th- think a trip like that through the playoffs gets rid of a lot of that a lot of those monkeys off their back if you will and as long as and i and i I was talking with zakoff in the locker room after the frozen fury game friday night and i asked him what what it was like going through camp without 
Kopi and Dowdy and Muzzin and some of your best players not even being there until the last, you know, playing in the last preseason game. And he did say it was different. He said he did say it was was odd being in camp without your three best players, your new captain. And he did say it's, it's going to take some adjustment now that they're in camp because they 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 have some new faces and getting those lines set and getting the chemistry reestablished if you will I know they're a veteran team and and but he did say it was a noticeable difference not having those guys there but he also said it was an opportunity for some of the younger guys to get more playing time in actual games and maybe open the eyes up of the coaching staff a little bit I wonder with the the guys from San Jose being in the the World Cup as you said if that will have any effect on them probably a little bit less because they don't have as many new faces um do you think that's a concern there at all i think the only concern about that plus the fact that like, as you mentioned thornton and, and marvel have been around a, a long time in their career and just now made the stanley cup final they aren't those guys aren't getting any younger and plus you also add the fact that uh Grant burns is also in his 30s and so was captain joe Pavelski. And with uh, those players playing in the World Cup of Hockey, and at least especially for the Canadians who, you know, went, played the entire tournament right to the final, um, I think they'll be okay for now. They're warmed up, ready to play. They're going to play fantastic. The only concern with that is once we get near the end of the season or into the playoffs, and then you have to play the grind and, well, the brutality of an NHL playoff series, there could be a concern of burnout, especially Thornton for his age. Um, or anything, or even potential injuries, because they've already played intense hockey. Now things are going to slow down a bit and then pick up again at the end of the season. Uh, the, you know, it's a young man's sport now, and the older you are, it does become more difficult in today's NHL because it's getting so fast. Uh, that's the only concern that I see is might be in the playoffs. I don't know if they'll make it to the Stanley Cup final. I don't think they will because I think there will be a burnout factor. But I wouldn't be surprised as well if they did because of the experience and those monkeys they got off their back last year going to the Stanley Cup final. And, of course, the ace up the sleeve, goaltender Martin Jones. So I think San Jose will be okay, but the playoffs will be a big question mark. Okay, let me bring in Chris. I know he's he's loaded for bear with you here. Chris, what do you got? Okay, J.D., so... Uh, you know, you got two very talented uh, uh, teams in this division in terms of young talent, and uh, the Coyotes and the Oilers. Now, if I told you that one of them was going to make the playoffs this year, who would you pick and why? I would take the – that's an extremely good question, Chris. But honestly, I'm going to go with the Arizona Coyotes. Um, the reason I'm doing that, of course, the Oilers have, yes, Connor McDavid, and they need him to play – healthy for the whole season for them to have any success but they do lack i mean both teams lack uh you know certain depth uh Edmonton definitely defensive depth they're lacking ken talbot probably not the goalie that can take them all the way but when i look at the arizona coyotes and i just look at the young guns that they have as well who already kind of have been gelling together since last season like max domi and anthony um anthony duclair and, of course, they have the underrated defenseman, Oliver ekman Larson, which it's an injustice that this man has not even been nominated for a Norris Trophy. I'm, I know Arizona hasn't been making the playoffs. But um, 
I would say I would say Arizona. My concerns with Arizona, of course, they still have a very old captain, a captain in Shane Doan, who's in the last year of his contract, could be the last contract of his career. Uh, I'm sure he wants to go out with a bang, and he actually played very well last year, uh, despite his age and everything. But goaltending is a big question mark. Mike Smith hasn't been Mike Smith since what 2012, and I'm sure he blames the Kings for that one too. Um, but I, but I do like what they have defensively. I mean, again, Ekman Larson. They have players. Uh, Christian uh, uh, is it uh, Dvorak? I can Dvorak. never pronounce his name. I Dvorak, they brought in a veteran defenseman in Luke Shen, who, you know, former Los Angeles King. Shen's been around for a couple of years. I don't think Shen's going to push him into the playoffs, but he is going to help out defensively for them. Uh, they still have Dave Tippett as their head coach. I still say, hate him or love him, Dave Tippett is one of the best coaches in the NHL. He's won the Jack Adams Trophy, and he's probably really the GM of the Arizona Coyotes, wink, wink, wink very secretly. So the big thing with the Oil. The big thing with the Oilers is, um, again, goaltending, defensive depth. They got uh, Milan Lucic. Um, I think he's, he's going to provide leadership. He's going to provide toughness and grit and, of course, experience. But that team are full of, like, like they just do a run-and-gun style of play. I mean, those kids can just go. And I see Lucic kind of struggling to keep up with them. Ken Talbot, hmm, I don't know. He has to step up. Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Jordan Everly have to step up. And I am not impressed with... Edmonton's defensive uh, core with Sekera or Sakara, depending on how we want his last name pronounced, as well as when they traded away a former number one draft pick and uh, their leading scorer for a few years now, Taylor Hall, to the New Jersey Devils for Adam Larson. I have nothing against Adam Larson. I think he's a good pickup, but I still think that they undervalued Taylor Hall, which uh, they probably could have got a better defenseman or or defense men, or goaltenders, or whatever, uh, with that trade. And instead, just with Adam Larson, it kind of, one, they got a, they got rid of the wrong player, Taylor Hall, and they gave it. That was almost like money. But, uh, but yeah, they went for that trade anyways. And even trading Nell Yakupov, who has been a disaster playing in the NHL for the Edmonton Oilers, played fine in his rookie year, but since then has, hasn't done anything. They trade him to St. Louis, really not for much either. And uh, Edmonton has some serious roster problems. So I'm going to go and put my faith on Max Domi and Anthony, Anthony uh, Duclair and uh, Dylan Strom and Dave Tippett and Ekman Larson, that if one of those two teams, whether it's a wild card spot or squeak in the uh, third, second, or whatever, I would pick Arizona. That's the game. I'm, that's the team I'm going with between the two. Don't don't forget Arizona also picked up Alex Goligoski there to lighten the load of Oliver Ekman Larson. He's and I don't think they've ever right. had a, a legitimate number two defenseman on their roster with Ekman Larson there. So he might even be able to, you know play a few less minutes you know he's he's an offensive defenseman so if if uh one of the other guys don't and oh i'm not sure if i'm right no never mind i'm not going to go there but uh if, if they could shave a few minutes of penalty kill time off of his back and hand it over to a couple of the other defensemen that's just going to make you know, make him fresher for for the duration of the season remember they were third in the pacific all the way late into you know, late December, early January, they were until yep. An- Anaheim right. until Anaheim went on their run, which was remarkable. Yeah, how I mean, I think they were twenty four and three at one point from February on. 
um, Arizona was holding it down. And I think with the kids having that under their belt and a year, a year, you know, removed, you know, off season, come back, I think they'll be better able to deal with the long haul of an NHL season after going through it once. So Arizona, Arizona could be in it, you know, fourth, fifth down the road. And, you know, aside from the Taylor Hall trade, they've been needing a very, you know, a solid defenseman or five in Edmonton for quite a long time. And we could all speculate on, I don't like the trade, but uh, just take the Taylor Hall aspect out of it. Um, Right. Signing Chris Russell like they did and bringing in Larson, maybe that commitment to to defense that, that we've all been just scratching our head over for eight to ten years, like you said. Um, you know, like I said, I, I don't like to trade any more than you do. They maybe could have pried somebody else away, but they, you know, Shirelli's got to be f- very familiar with him. You know, Boston to New Jersey, short trip, see him a lot. So maybe there's something there that, that Shirelli just really liked and paid a big price for it. Um, but I, I, you got to show me that the kids can play two-way hockey, even, even with the game kind of going away from the, let's say the the Kings format and more towards the Penguins format or a hybrid team like Tampa Bay, San Jose, even. Um, yeah. I, I, you still have to show me that that the. Hopkins and and Yakpov at all are going to show some sort of a commitment to defensive responsibility, and that's got you got to show me that for 82 games before I'm going to buy into it. Um, let's uh, go ahead, Chris. I kind of jumped in there. I know you have a little bit more to go through. Yeah, just a couple other clips for JD. Um, uh, JD, is it fair to say that the Achilles heel of the Kings last year was depth on the blue line and has has that improved? Um, I'm going to say no. Uh, the albatross of the lack of defensive depth is going to continue this year, and there's a few things that need to happen where they can at least improve from last year. And, of course, we're talking about a team that was very close in winning again the Jennings Trophy. They were in the running until the last few weeks or so when they started to collapse after they uh, they got their playoff berth. But, uh, you know, Drew Doughty, of course, Randy Norris Trophy winner, he's going to be the workhorse of the team. They need Alec Martinez to stay healthy. Losing Martinez in the playoff series against San Jose may not have helped the Kings beat San Jose because they were that powerful, but it definitely would have helped them out. Uh, Jake Muzzin has to be now, like, he is now in his prime. He's no longer that young guy that, you know, makes all these mistakes. He has to show improvement and be consistent for the Kings to be successful. And the biggest one, of course, is Braden McNabb, who struggled seriously last year. He's still young enough to turn things around, and he'll need to do that this year. Those four guys are going to be the main uh, defensive guys on the team. But the problem is, okay, I love Matt Green. Matt Green is a warrior. He's a guy who has bled for the Los Angeles Kings, you know, playing as a warrior on that ice. But he has become so injury-prone the last few years 
uh, how long is Green going to be there? And then who do you replace him with? They got Tom Gilbert, or as I like to call him, because he was playing for the Montreal Canadiens, and he wore 1977 with the Montreal Canadiens. Tom Gilbert, I like to call him Tom Gilbert, when he was playing over there. But, uh, you know, he's a solid, stay-at-home defensive defenseman. I don't think he's going to hurt you too much. And the Kings didn't do a big risk in signing him, I believe, just for the one year. And it looks like Derek Forbert is going to make the team out of camp. And, of course, you know, Lombardi was afraid of losing him by sending him back down to the minors because he would have been picked up on waivers, like, you know, a.k.a. Uh, Baruby, right, Chris? Baruby. I'm still bitter about that one with the Islanders. But um, the depth is still, like, Derek Forbert still needs some development and get used to uh, playing in the NHL. And the guy I liked best over Forbert from the rain was actually Kevin Gravel, but they're sending him back down. I think there's still a lot of issues. We need we need him to be healthy. Uh McNabb needs to improve, and uh, they got to figure out who's going to be the third pairing because right now they have they have Matt Green and they have whoever he's going to be teaming up with. I don't know if he's maybe Derek Forbert or whoever Derek Forbert's going to be teaming up with. But one guy they sent down was Trotman, and that was actually a guy I liked a lot. And one guy that really impresses me, but I you know we kind of knew he wasn't coming out of camp, but that's Paul Ledoux. Um, I'm sure he eventually will get his auditions sometime during the year. But I still feel that the Kings are not solid defensively. They couldn't do much free agency because they were so strapped in the salary cap. And the guys they did pick up, like a, like a Tom Gilbert, I guess he's back to Gilbert because he's in L.A. now, and he's not allowed to wear 77 because that's Carter's number. I still think that uh, there's going to be def- uh, defensive issues with the Kings. I still think there's going to be penalty-killing issues with the Kings. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think they did enough to improve unless guys like McNabb and uh, Muzzin have career years and Martinez can stay healthy for the entire year. And Drew Doughty doesn't get burnt out by Coach Daryl Sutter because Doughty's already played a lot of hockey in the World Cup of Hockey and was one of the leaders, if not the leader, of total ice time for Team Canada. So by March and April, he's still playing 25 to 30 minutes a game. He's going to be burnt out in the playoffs, and that's, that's an issue with Daryl Sutter. He needs to, to keep that in check. So to, to answer your question, doing the long way, Chris, I don't think the Kings have improved their defensive depth. I like Gilbert, uh, but I think it's still a work in progress. Let's stick with the Kings real quick and go to the forward rosters. Did you get a chance today to see... Now, now they told me that Sataguchi did sign a deal, and I don't know where he's going to fit in. Um, did did you get a chance to see which of the the kids made the club out of Ontario? I did. Who do I we got? Did. I did. Just give me one second here. So, okay, here's our 23-man roster opening night for the 2016-17 season for the Kings. For the forwards, of course, we got free agent and returning to L.A., Teddy Purcell, uh, Devin Setaguchi. They were so impressed with him with his tryout uh, in tra- uh, training camp and during the exhibition games. He signed a one-year uh, two-way contract for five seventy-five thousand. dollars uh, He made the team, so he's on there. And then, of course, you got Andy Andreoff. You have Nick Shore back from injury. You have Trevor Lewis. You have the new captain, of course. And Selkie Trophy winner, Andre Kopitar, Kyle Clifford, former captain Dustin Brown, Nick Dowd, I'm happy that he's on there. Tanner Pearson, of course, is suspended, uh, but they have his name on the roster. Of course, somebody's going to have to replace him, which is why they haven't officially, at least I haven't heard anything right now, they're still holding on to Michael Mersh, and they're still holding on to Adrian Kempe. 
Um, we'll see what happens with that tomorrow. But, you know, Pearson's on that list. Jordan Nolan, I'm so over the Nolan experiment. But Jordan Nolan's still on that team. Sutter just loves that guy. And, of course, Tyler Toffoli is having a contract here. Uh, Dwight King and Jeff Carter, that's the forwards. And then for the defensemen, veteran Matt Green. We'll see how long before he gets hurt. Uh, Brendan McNabb, Jake Muzzin, Dowdy, Tom Gilbert, Derek Forbert, and Alec Martinez. And then, of course, the goaltenders, Jonathan Quick with, as you mentioned, uh, Jeff Zakoff. That is the 23-man roster as of right now. All right. Jeez. Um, not as deep as they were. Not as deep as they were, that's for sure. Um, no. There's going to be a lot of young guys and a lot of question marks, especially with the bottom six, which definitely, for me anyways, is a concern. I wanted I wanted to hear you say that Kempe was still around, and I'm glad because he can, he can bring speed and skill that the Kings obviously have been lacking for a couple of years and maybe... I mean, maybe create some good chemistry on the first line with Kopitar, and I don't know where I don't know where Purcell slots. But it, being a former thirty-goal scorer, you know they're not going to break up Carter into Foley. So you may right. ha- you may have a first line of of Kempe, Kopitar, and Purcell uh, opening night. Is that is that how it plays out to you, or is he going to put Setaguchi up there? I believe it's going to be Setaguchi. I would love to see Kempe on the line. What I'm hearing, and of course, as we know, the way Daryl Sutter works his lines, what we're hearing right now probably won't even hold weight five minutes from now, <laughs> uh, let alone just before the game against the opening game against San Jose. But I am hearing Setaguchi, but with Kopitar and Brown. That's what I'm hearing. Okay, I'm, let's move on from the Kings because I, I, I just don't want to hear that. Um, going towards it, <laughs> a little farther south down the five. Um, well, I don't know how you bring up a, a, a fast-skilled player and stick him on your third, fourth line. Leave him in leave him in the AHL and let him play, play 15, 17 minutes a night if that's what you're going to do. You're not doing him any favors putting, right. him, putting him down there, playing with a – you know, if, if – not a rookie forward, but certainly either doubt or shore down on that that end have yep um well anyway, moving on down the five, I don't want to get too deep into that um Anaheim brings back old friend Rick Carlisle, letting Bruce Boudreaux go after a fantastic run to a division championship and another first round exit. What is old? Is is out with the old, in with the old, a step forward, a step sideways, or a step back with the Anaheim Ducks? I think it's going to be a stalemate for a bit uh, because Carlisle was well-known when Randy Carlisle was the head coach of the Ducks and, of course, led him to the, the historic Stanley Cup in 2007, right? First California team to win it. Yes, yes. Uh, Carlisle had a, huge, had a huge fallout with... Ryan Getzloff, Corey Perry, and at the time, Timo Solani, of course, who's now retired. Um, Getzloff and Perry, uh, the, the vibe when it was announced that Randy Carlisle is coming back to coach the team, the vibe was kind of cold from Getzloff and Perry because of the history, the bad history they had with Randy Carlisle. Randy Carlisle is your old-school, hard-nosed type of coach. He was an old-school, hard-nosed type of defenseman when he played in the NHL. Um, I think right now everybody's saying the right things. Bob Murray's saying the right things. Carlisle's saying he wants to work with these guys. 
Guess what? And Perry are saying there's no problem. And I think they're going to be okay for most of the regular season. But what I'm interested in is when the going gets tough and the pressure is on, especially of the playoffs, and Carlisle, who's a very competitive person by nature and a very aggressive and confrontational type coach, who's not even afraid to bash his players in the media, as he did as head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, which is Siberia. That's where he got sent to after the Ducks. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how long they can keep the peace. Uh, Getzloff and Perry have been with the team. They're now veterans of the team. Getzloff is the captain of the team. You know, they're also both now in their 30s. They're not little kids anymore, and they're going to say something if there's a disagreement with Carlisle. Uh, so that's where the big drama is going to come from with the Anaheim Ducks. What is old is new again, and will it work? I don't know. But if it doesn't, I'm, I'm saying it uh, – Watch for Bob Murray to be on the hot seat. They already got rid of Bruce Boudreaux. They're blaming him for finding new and exciting creative ways of losing Game 7s at home in the playoffs. And uh, now with Carlisle, they're going to have this hard-nosed coach who, who says he's softer now. He didn't look that soft in Toronto, but says he's softer now, has learned from his mistakes, and maybe he has. Maybe we give him the benefit of the doubt. But, uh, you know, the Ducks are still the Ducks. They still have a lot of depth. They have strong defensive depth. Uh, they traded away Cedric Anderson to Siberia, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and brought back former Kings goalie Jonathan Bernier to play backup to John Gibson. Gibson is unproven, and it's going to be interesting how Gibson and Bernier take to Randy Carlisle as well. Bernier says the right things that he liked Carlisle in Toronto, but uh, let's be honest, uh, there was a lot of... Uh, butting heads down there with Carlisle and all the players, not just with Bernier. So we'll see what happens. We can see if he can change his stripes. Ken Hitchcock, in a way, Daryl Sutter, in a way, um, have changed their stripes to a certain degree as they got older and more experienced and started coaching other teams and have been fired from previous teams. They did learn to a certain degree. We'll see if Carlisle can do that or do a full 180. But I think, I think Anaheim's going to do okay. I can see them in the second spot of the of, of the division, I think San Jose will win the first. If the Kings, by you know, come out rocking and these new guys are gelling, maybe the Kings will get second. I can see Anaheim in third, but I'm guessing second. I think they'll be okay. But when the pressure is on, and we've seen with these Ducks, they can turn it on in the regular season. As you mentioned earlier, Mark, they were horrible the first half of the season, and then they turned it on in the second half all the way to a division title and still lost game seven at home. Uh, for the fourth year in a row. So we'll see what happens in the playoff time. If Carlisle can motivate these players, but he has to be careful. He doesn't want that motivation to turn into something that's going to offend the players and just make you know make them get sick of him all over again. So I think this is a big risk bringing him back by Bob Murray. And if this doesn't work out, like I said, watch for Bob Murray to be on the hot seat. I agree with that. Let's go down... The other team in the division that went through a coaching change, Calgary, bringing in ex-Las Vegas, Vegas Wranglers head coach, former Dallas Stars head coach, Glenn Gullitson. Um, Calgary could be my dark horse to return to the way they were playing hockey two years ago. It certainly, I, I think they weren't probably as good as they were um, that year, and I don't think that they were – as bad a team as things worked out for them last year. Um, I think they've significantly upgraded their goaltending position with Brian Elliott. I was one of the, one of the goaltending tandems that I was looking at as being a win-win for Las Vegas. 
come expansion time. Uh, and that didn't work out, but there's still a few of them out there for us. Um, I, th- I think the goaltender position is better. Um, if if everything clicks right, what do you think the ceiling is for Calgary? I have them fourth in the Pacific Division. Um, they are also my dark horse. I think they can squeak into third. It's actually quite possible. Uh, they are going to play. They're going to cause chaos, and they're going to. There's going to be some spoilers because I feel pretty much what you said, Mark. I think this Calgary team is going to improve from what they were last year, go back to what they were two years ago, but without the hail mary cherry picking passes they would give to Johnny Hockey Goudreau uh, that they did under the system with Bob Hartley. They're actually playing more like a team now, and they are a blue collar team. Uh, Brian Elliott is going to be. Excellent in that. He's an excellent regular season goalie. We all know that. He has amazing numbers, former Williams Jennings Trophy. Of course, he might not have the same type of defense uh, with uh, Calgary that he did with St. Louis, but Calgary also also has strong defensemen in Mark Giordano, in TJ Brody, in Doug Hamilton, who went to the 2013 Stanley Cup final with the Boston Bruins. They'll have Dennis Whiteman. Hopefully, he doesn't, you know, check, you know, take out any referees this year or anything. But, you know, with. (laughs) With Sean Monaghan, with Sam Bennett, they brought in experience with Christopher Steak. They have Michael Froelich, Troy Bauer, uh, the youngster Matthew Kachuk, and of course they re-signed uh, Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau, who's an amazing player, and again played amazing with Team North America at the World Cup of Hockey, beating Henrik Lundqvist out of his shorts. And of course, people won't remember that because they'll think of the Nathan McKinnon one that won the game. But uh, I also have Calgary as my dark horse. I think they're going to be playing tough. They will not be easy to beat. They are more well-rounded than what Edmonton in, in Arizona is. Edmonton, Arizona will be the darlings of the NHL in, very soon in a couple of years. I just don't think that that is now. I see Calgary in a wild-card spot, fourth place. But Central Division, of course, looks like it's still going to be the murderer's row of the NHL. And they may take, again, all five playoff spots. You know, three plus the two wild cards, and right. the Pacific might be stuck with three. So it's going to be a dog fight. But I would not be surprised if Calgary makes it in, squeaks it in, or takes some teams out playing spoiler because they are going to be tough to play this year. Chris, what else you got for JD before we have to let him go? Chris? Oh, I'm sorry. Say, say that again, more. Oh, would you have anything else for JD before we got to let him go? Uh, real quick, JD, give uh, give us your top four in the division. Top four in the Pacific Division. As you guys may have learned when we did the Western Conference playoff prediction show uh, near the end, or just before the playoff last season, I am on a rough spell when it comes to predictions. But making predictions is a lot of fun. And this is what my gut is telling me. I got number one, San Jose. I got number two, Anaheim. I got the Kings in purgatory in third place. And then I got Calgary Flames in that fourth spot, that top possible wild card spot in the Pacific Division. JD, don't forget you had the Islanders over the Florida Panthers last year, where very few people did. That was the only one I got right, Chris, for the entire playoff. <laughs> and Chris I remembered. Very proud. <laughs> I am very proud that I picked the Islanders over Florida because hockey gods know I was wrong about LA San Jose. I was wrong about San Jose-Pittsburgh in the Stanley Cup Final, and I was wrong about St. Louis. Um, So 
I am pretty proud of that one because really I didn't know too many people besides yourself, Chris. I know Mark didn't pick them uh, to pick the Islanders to win, but I just had a hunch and they did. So at least I'm not like 100% wrong last season. Um, but yeah, those are my four picks. Okay, I don't. No one's mentioned Vancouver at all. Um, I'll just let let you fire away if you have anything on Vancouver, JD. I think I think they overstayed their welcome with their roster, and I think they were trying to add pieces and parts and trading away draft picks and assets to to band aid things along. And I think it catches up with them big time this year. And they need to probably uh, get the grader out and and resurface that club oof, maybe from the top down and get deep into the farm system too because they I think they have one of the weakest farm team farm systems of anybody at least in this division for sure it is it is going to be a long and rough <laughs> season for the Vancouver Canucks not only do I feel that they're going to be the cellar dwellers of the Pacific Division, but one of the cellar dwellers of the NHL, period. Uh, you know, the, the Sedin, Sedin twins are now a year older. Uh, they did bring in Louis Erickson, and we saw at the World Cup of Hockey with Team Sweden that they did have some actually really good chemistry between the Sedins and Erickson. The only problem is that's probably the only line they're going to have. Uh, Ryan Miller and Nett. Ryan Miller has been a fantastic goalie throughout his career, but he's passed his prime. And Jacob Markstrom is completely unproven. I don't think they have the defense. Like you said, people they brought in are pretty much just Band-Aids or just like Mr. Right Now. Uh, there's going to be some serious problems in Vancouver, and I feel they're in complete need of a reboot, a reset, or um, they just need to clean house and start over again, which will prove difficult because the Sedins are kind of a double package. And that's not going to be easy to move the Sedins if you can, um, because they want to play together, and that's just a nightmare all to itself. So I see Vancouver at the bottom of the Pacific and one of the worst teams in the NHL this year. I don't think there's much going on there. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Final, final thoughts. Can, can San Jose... Ooh, I don't want to go there. Maybe I do. Can San Jose win the President's Trophy? Oh, it's definitely possible. I mean, they love banners that really don't mean anything, so why not have a President's Trophy <laughs> banner to go along with 30 division banners and, and one conference final banner? Might as well. Might as well add it to the SAP Center. I think it's Man. definitely possible. I still see kind of Washington fighting forward in the East or some, or even Tampa Bay maybe even. They seem to be getting their things together finally. Uh, I, I think Kucherov, he just signed. Did you guys hear about that? No. Three-year deal. Three-year deal, yeah. So he's on there. Of course, Stamkos is back with the team, re-signing them uh, in the summer. They still got Ben Bishop in that. I know he, I believe he's on his launch of his contract or something like that. But they still have a really good team. They're going to be powerful. Washington's going to be powerful. And they, you know, I see those guys, someone from the East, going for that President's Trophy. I wouldn't be surprised if San Jose does win it because that seems like something San Jose would be motivated to win. Um, but, yeah, in typical San Jose fashion, it would just be another banner that they don't really need up in the rafters. I lobbed that one. I, I hit you a nice soft lob over the net. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's going straight in with a one-timer because yeah. uh, you know what, San Jose, they can do it 
they can do it. Do they want to do it? I mean, how many President's Trophy teams win and never win the Stanley Cup? They get burned out by the playoffs because they're working so hard in getting that President's Trophy. Um, but, hey, if they want to go for it, all the power to them. Just make them even more tired, even better for any other team in the Pacific in the playoffs. Go for it. All right. That's going to do it for this segment of the Vegas Hockey Podcast with J.D. Styles as we looked pretty in-depth at the Pacific Division. Make sure you follow J.D. Styles, and I always mess this up. I'm going to see if I get it. At J.D. Styles underscore. Correct. On Twitter. J-D-S-T-Y-L-Z underscore. And your your uh, your podcast has a Twitter handle as well, right? Did we give that out earlier? Yeah, you can find it at Kings Road Talk. So any, anybody, anybody following the Kings along on the on the road this year, make sure you uh, head out the next day and go to their Blog Talk Radio page and find their road rules road trip recaps that they're going to be doing over there. It should be a lot of fun. Yep, should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Go ahead, Chris. Good luck with the podcast, JD. Good luck with the podcast, JD. And if you need a a guest when uh, the Kings play go to Brooklyn this year, I'll I'll make sure I'm available. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I will definitely be giving both of you guys a shout-out to come on and be guests on that show. And, and of course, like we do here, we'll have a lot of fun and talk hockey. Should be fun. All right, all right. Looking forward to it. Thanks again for coming in, sir. And we'll definitely be talking with you down the road. All right, Mark, Chris, a pleasure as always. Have yourself a good night, and thank you for having me on. Go Kings, go. You're welcome. Okay, that was J.D. Styles on the Vegas Hockey Podcast hotline. As always, in-depth knowledge of, of anything we want to talk to him about, and we thank him for coming on. Did a great job, as usual. Chris has two new articles dropping this week. Uh, why don't you break those down for us and where they will be dropped? Well, actually, my New York Island this season preview article is out, so uh, people can catch that at eyesonisles.com. And today I had a new article hit at Last Word on Sports, which you can find us really at lastwordonhockey.com, and that's the NHL teams in the Nolan Patrick sweepstakes. And for the you hockey fans in Las Vegas, you don't know who Nolan Patrick is. You need to start knowing who he is. He's going to be the number one draft pick in uh, this coming June in 2017. And, of course, Las Vegas is very much in that conversation. So check that out as well. We were at the meet and greet there Saturday night with uh, Mr. McPhee and Mr. Foley, and someone asked about where you're going to be picking in the draft, yada, yada, yada. And they can pick no worse than six. They have the third ping pong ball, which means the rest of the draft they will be picking third. And then Mr. Foley said, I feel I feel I'm kind of a lucky guy. I think we'll be picking number one. So if he if he's well, got, have an eleven and eleven and a half percent chance to to win the lottery, which is not too bad if you're in Vegas. People bet yeah. on a, people bet yeah. on a whole lot less. So uh, that would be a nice little way to kick off. Of course, everybody would be screaming, "Fix, fix, fix." It's a rigged right. system, just so Vegas. Eh. Um, that's all I'll hear for for six months after that, if that happens. Uh, but I'll take it to land Nolan Patrick. Um, anyway, you 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 went down through all the rosters today, and and uh, we've been doing our preview show here, our NHL draft show here the last two years. 
So for me, that's not something I, I, I did too much on before, but I've, I've paid attention to it a lot more since started doing the show. And Chris was always an NHL uh, young guns kind of guy so there's a few guys that i'm i'm familiar and i've been hoping that they would make their club why don't you go through the the big names that are going to be making their rookie debuts this this year yeah um now keep in mind uh almost all of these guys uh is the nine game junior role so teams are allowed to keep these rookies up to nine games nine games played so Theoretically speaking, someone can play two games, sit two games, play two games. So it's nine games played. At that point, if the team has the player play the tenth game, uh, they cannot send them back to junior. So that's kind of the demarcation line, if you will. Uh, but in terms of making the open night roster and you know proving that they should be there for the whole year, uh, I'll, I'll give you the greatest hits. And for those of you who have been following prospect lists for the last year or two, these names are going to be very prevalent. Uh, for the Islanders, there's two kids, Matthew Barzell and Anthony Beauview, both first-round picks of 2015. For the Flyers, Yvonne Provorov and Travis Konecki. Uh, I know you're a, a, a Konecki uh, guy, I believe, uh, yep. Mark. You like Konecki? Yep. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, Zach Wierenski and Pierre-Luc uh, Dubois. Uh, the Devils, Pavel Zaka. Uh, Panthers, Michael Matheson, although he played in the playoffs last year, so that shouldn't be a big surprise. Bruins, a little bit of a surprise. Brandon Carlo made the team. He, I think he's like six foot six. Um, you know, they definitely need help on defense. Maple Leafs have four guys: Connor Brown, William Nylander, Mr. Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner. There we go. We you talked about that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see yep. that. That's the definitely the future in Toronto. And I was hoping uh, we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. I was hoping to see those three up, even if it is just for nine games. Um, hopefully, Mr. Marner can force their hand, and he won't be going back anywhere. I, I'm excited to see him play. So, go ahead. Uh, San Jose Sharks have uh, Timo Meyer, Calgary Flames, Matthew Tuchuk. Nice. That's pretty impressive that he was just yeah. this, uh, in this past draft, as well as the Oilers, Jesse Pujari. Pujari. Now the Coyotes, Pujari, thank you. The Coyotes have four guys, like the Maple Leafs. Wilson Krause, who they got from the Panthers this offseason. Christian Dvorak, who was part of that London Knights killer squad that won the championship last year. Dylan Strom and Jacob Chickering, who was uh, from this past draft this, as well. Right, right, uh, right. And so uh, then you got Winnipeg with Patrick Lene. Now, I didn't see this, but I'm, I I, I want to say that Kyle Connor also made the team. I believe he did. Big and Kyle Connor Miko fan, Rattin too. The... Big Kyle Connor yeah, fan, too. I, I know you wanted him man, for the king. There's a lot of. Lot of ah, now I'm even more excited. And Miko, and Miko, and Miko Ratton in for the Avalanche. Who I thought should have been at least number five overall right after Mitch Marner uh, two years ago. The Finnish Bull. That's a lot of good. That's a lot of good young talent. Man, that's uh, uh, I I'm not even gonna know who to watch the first couple of weeks because I want to see all those kids play. I'm I excited. Tell you, try to, good, good, good luck trying to take a rookie of the year from that group, huh? Yeah, how about it, huh? Whew. Interesting, interesting. Anyway, as we uh, yeah. wrap wrap this one up, why don't you? Why don't you talk about uh, our next guest? He's a uh, first time guest on the show. Coming up next week. 
Yeah, we, we wanted this season, me and Mark were discussing off air of uh, blending in our great guests uh, from last year as well as bringing in some finding some great new guests and uh, we're gonna try, we're gonna do that next week with Ian Reed from the last word on sports and he's gonna break down for us how bright the future is for the coyotes and the Oilers in terms of this coming season and beyond so look definitely uh, look for that show and we got a couple few other guests we're working on already for the following shows and I can I can confirm I don't know when but we will have, and I know this was a big favorite of the show of yours last year, Mark, we will have Jillian Fisher uh, back on the show nice. uh, uh, this year. We're trying to organize it with one of her events in the next month or two, and uh, she can come on and tell us about it. Fantastic. She was awesome. With all the uh, she was awesome. with that whole list you just read off out of Arizona coming up, Ian's going to have to do a little bit of homework. He's got uh, He's got a lot to talk about next week. That's that's uh, I've been I've been saying for a couple of years, and everybody who listens to the podcast or follows me on Twitter knows I've been saying for a couple of years that uh, Don Maloney's been putting together a hell of a farm system in that team, and I think just on the record, I think it's a shame that they let him go, so he would not be seeing the fruits of everything that he's put together. And wherever he ends up is going to be fortunate to have him along and. I don't know this for sure, but he had to have been on Mr. Foley's short list to come in here because uh, the, 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 the first, second, third-year players on that team are going to end up being phenomenal. They're right there with you know, a year behind Buffalo, a year behind Edmonton. Uh, I'm excited to see those guys play. Well, I guess it's prediction time now, Mark. So uh, yep. why don't you uh, – I'll let you kick it off. You want me to kick it off? So top three – Top three teams in the Pacific and your two wild cards in the West. I'm right with JD, San Jose, Anaheim, and the Kings. I, I don't see. And your two and your two wild cards. This is where I struggle here because if you look look at the Central, and I had, I believe it was Nashville, St. Louis, Dallas, Chicago. So that's one wild card. And then everybody's high on the Jets. Me, not so much. The wild, Bruce Boudreaux usually does give a, a a regular season boost the first year he's in a new home. So are they going to end up better and, and claim that, that second wild card spot? Can Glenn Goldsman uh, elevate Calgary in the kind of a retooled roster with – uh, NHL caliber number one goaltender up there? Yes, I think he can. And I'm going to give Calgary the second wild card spot. That's uh, that's tough. But I, I, I was down between Minnesota and Calgary, and I just think Calgary's a little bit, or well, I think they're a lot faster. I think they're a lot skilled. I think they're a, a, a little bit younger. Uh, maybe maybe hungrier. I don't know, um, but I think maybe the fresh the fresh coach there is is what they needed, and I like Calgary. I think Dana has him. He said eight and eighty six and a half points. People are betting the over. I think they're going to get to the ninety ninety two range and take that second wild card. Where are you at, Chris? Okay, well. I before I give my predictions, just a shout-out to everyone. You can uh, 
find our shows on SoundCloud, iTunes, as well as thehockeywriters.com. On the podcast page, you can find past shows. So this is the last of the preview shows for the Pacific. So you can find the Central, the Metro, as well as the Atlantic, and our summer shows with Clint Malachuk and George McPhee. So if you're new to listening to us, definitely check out those other shows as well. Uh, my prediction is I have the Ducks winning the division. I think they're too strong in goal, uh, as well as on the blue line. I think the most solid of all the teams out there. Have the Sharks coming in second. Uh, I think there will be a little bit of a hangover effect when the season starts, uh, but I think they'll finish. They'll finish strong and come in second. I have actually, and it's a kind of a little bit last minute change in listening to you and and JD throughout this show because I was on the fence about it. Don't do have it. Calgary coming in third. Don't do it. I have, <laughs> I have Calgary coming in third place. Uh, I, you know, I think Brian Elliott will be able to give them 50-55 games. I'm going to count on Chad Johnson uh, and ignore the games I saw uh, in person a couple weeks ago. But uh, I, I think with the new coach, there'll be more details for defense. And they, they, look, there's only one place to go but up, right, in terms of uh, the goals against average and the penalty kill and things of that nature. There is a lot of talent there. And my wild cards is are is are uh, the first wild card going to the Blackhawks. Uh, I'm a little, not more, more than a little concerned about the depth of that team, uh, especially at the forward position. Hey, look, I, I'm a, I like Marcus Kruger. I think he's a terrific fourth line center. But when your third line center uh, scored no goals in 42 games last year, they're counting on rookies. They're counting on. Uh, older players like uh, uh, like Hosa, uh, uh, you know, who's going to be 38 in January. Um, so, you know, they could, you know, if, if the Blackhawks had real quick a a couple of weeks like the Panthers just had, they'd be in real trouble. Uh, yeah, we talked about I that agree. when we had Matt Pryor on. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to, but I'm not going to bury them yet. So, I'm going to have the Blackhawks making as a wild card. And that last spot goes to your L.A. Kings, Mark. Uh, uh, I am still a, I am still a believer in the core of that team. I worry about uh, the miles on that team. I worry about the age of that team. And, the, and most importantly, I worry about the depth of that team. So, um, I, you know, yes, they got out of the playoffs in the first round, so they should be a little bit more well-heeled. But uh, there are some question marks there, to say the least. I mean, Look at it this way. They lost Milan Lucic, and they really they replaced him kind of with spare parts. I agree. So on top of all the on top of all the other problems, such as defense, so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, I respect the Kings a lot. Not saying, you know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe a couple of their young players really, uh, and they get uh, come together and they get back to old form. So uh, obviously they're a dangerous team in the playoffs. I have to tell you, Mark, when they get – they get in the playoffs when they won the cup. I believe they what? What were they? Six seeds and were they the six and eight seed? Yes, that's was, correct. Is that right? Yep. First, first, uh, so, first so, cup was an eight seed. Okay, so there you go. I'm picking, picking, predicting they'll be the eight seed. So that's their lucky spot. So, and then you also uh, predict them to go on and win the Stanley Cup. Then. 
Uh, well, we'll have to go over that when <laughs> we do the playoff uh, preview show. Right, right. We'll have to say. Well, for now, we'll keep it at the uh, at the eight seed. Okay, okay. At least you put them in. At least you put them in. Well, that's yeah, that's a pretty absolutely. good show. I want to try and get this this pumped out. Uh, in, if not tomorrow, then the next day here in the first couple of days of the regular season. So, if that's all you got, Chris, um, I'm gonna go ahead and cut us, and we'll get this into production. I'll talk to you next week with Mr. Ian Reed, and I'm looking forward to talking about that young Coyote group because I I'm gonna be a fan of that that group of players uh watching them come up and everything so i'm interested to look and see what he thinks of where of of them and where coyotes what their ceiling is going to be um so if that's it chris i will let you go and we're gone